Matthew chapter 6 is the passage we're going to be in today uh, as we continue this series entitled Unknown God. You know, we started a few weeks ago based in Acts chapter 17 when Paul was walking through the, the streets of Athens when he had been thrown out of city after city and place after place because he continued to be faithful in preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and he arrives in Athens and he sees all the altars and all the, the idols that have been set up by the, the culture, the society, the people, the population there in Athens of people, of things that they worshipped. And all the different altars that were there, they had all different types of gods and all different types of, of idols that they were bowing down to. There was the one there that said the unknown God, and Paul used that as an open door to begin preaching truth and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we're using that as the basis of what we are walking through, because in our journey and in our culture, in our lives, each and every one of us today are constantly faced with the temptation of introducing gods into our lives that are not gods at all. And while back in those days they had their own gods and they had their own temples, and they had Athena, that with the goddess of, that they had the temple on top of the Acropolis and all the different things that were there back in those days, today the gods are different. Today the gods are things like pleasure that we talked about last week, uh, gods like materialism that we're going to talk about today. God's like relativism, where basically we put into our minds and into our ideas that, that there is real, uh, no real truth, that everything is relative, that, that everything is not black and white, it's gray, and we can create whatever it is in our own lives and in our own journeys of what truth might be. And so we're talking about these things, these gods that we create in our own lives, so that we can get an, an understanding and a basis in, in how to stand on truth and in truth in the midst of the culture in which we live. So today, Matthew chapter 6, I want to start with a, a verse that, that, that kind of encapsulates what we're talking about here today. And it's in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. It's the key verse for our passage together, our time together today. It just simply says this, and you know this verse, but seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. Seek first the kingdom of God. In other words, don't be like everyone else, don't be like the culture, don't be like the world, always running for, running towards having this idea that we've got to have more and more and more, that we're going to find our joy in stuff, that we're going to find our meaning, our value in our jobs and in our status and what cars we drive and what houses that we might live in or, or how much money we have in the bank or what stocks that we own. It's the idea that our, our goal in life is to seek him first. And don't you agree that in today's culture that, that we live in a world that has completely thrown that out the window? Because here's what the world is always looking for. They're seeking pleasure first. They're seeking things first. They're seeking what's going to make me happy, what's in it for me. And so that is the, the constant idea. We live in that culture. We live in that world. You've heard me tell you before, joking around with you about the idea that when I was younger, man, I, I wanted a Lamborghini, and I always wanted this, you know, I just dreaming about this. One day I'm going to have this Lamborghini and this car, you know, this couple hundred thousand dollar car that would be so cool. And, and, and I was focused on those things, because I thought, man, that would be cool, and that would be value. And let's be honest, when I was a teenager and I was hoping for that car, we also know this, that it would attract the females, right? I mean, that was something I was looking for. Like, girls would love to see that kind of car like that. I've never gotten one of those. Those cars, never going to have one of those cars, except for Bruce Carey, who's running that camera right over there in the middle aisle. Today, he brought me a little model of a Lamborghini that, 
He didn't bring me the glue to put it together, but he did bring me a Lamborghini. So I finally got one, guys. I have a Lamborghini now, and uh, now I've got to put it together because it's in a cardboard box. But regardless, we live in a culture where everything is focused on stuff and status, and what God's Word says is you're messed up if you're doing that. That's not the way you want to go. That's not the path that you need to take. That's not the desire of our hearts that we must have. We must seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And then it goes on to say this, and then all of the things will be provided for you. Now, I don't know what things are. I do know this. God is not going to give you just stuff because you're following after Him. Here's what God's going to do. God is going to give you everything that you could possibly need to help fulfill His will for you in this life. In other words, you will never have any, never have lack of anything that you need in order to accomplish God's perfect will in your life. My dad used to say it this way, that God will never call you to something unless He also provides the way for you to achieve it, to obtain it. And so, in other words, that's the idea. And so, in Matthew chapter 6, we're going to roll back a few verses. We're going to read from verse 19 and following the passage today and talk about the God of materialism and how to move away from that, how to focus on the things of God, to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and focus there. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, don't collect for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but... Collect for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. So if the light within you is darkness, how deep is that darkness? No one can be a slave of two masters. Since either will, he will hate one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. And then this last statement, you cannot be slaves of God and of money. And so the idea here that we get when we talk about this idea of materialism, we talk about this idea of focusing on stuff, that we need stuff, that we have to have stuff in order to have meaning, to have value, to have joy, to have uh, of success, to, to feel good about ourselves, that we have to have more and more and more. The idea of this passage is just really this, is what is the, uh, the focus of your life? Like what is it the thing in your journey in your life, what is the object of your focus? When you go back to the statement, Jesus uh, gives us two quick statements here on the Sermon on the Mount that He contrasts with one with the other. And the first one is this, don't collect for yourselves treasures on earth. So Jesus clearly states here that, hey, listen, don't try to figure out how you can get more and more things of this world. Don't let that be the object of your focus. In other words, that is not why we work. That is not why we exist. It is not why we live. This passage says, man, don't, don't collect for yourselves. Lay up for yourselves treasures on this earth. And then he goes on to use these statements where moth and rust destroy. Now, when you think about moth and you think about rust, you think about those two words, the basic idea here is, and again, he's talking back in, you know, kind of in a, in a different season, in a different time, in a different culture, but still very relevant for today. What do moths do? When you have uh, items of clothing, and by the way, in that day, uh, status symbols, the things that were of value, the things that people like, looked at and recognized where somebody was very rich or very wealthy or not, was like how many you know, livestock they had or how, how much clothes they had, the kind of clothes that they had. And so he uses this word, moth. What do moths do to clothing? Somebody tell me, what do moths do to clothing? clothing? They what? 
I, I didn't hear, I'm sorry. What'd you say? They eat them up, right? They put holes in them. They eat them. And they, they begin to chip, chip away at it and eat away the things, these clothing. And so he's saying, listen, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on this earth. Again, in that culture, clothing was a, an object of or a picture of wealth. And because what Jesus is saying here is because that's what will happen is moths will come in and they will begin to eat away at it. Now, what does rust do to metal? Same idea, right? It eats away at the metal. That's why if you have an older car, sometimes you go out and you begin to see rust. It's, you know, working its way into the, the undercarriage of the car or maybe on the, the bottom sides of the car when you have, you know, places like this or maybe up north where there's lots of, uh, of snow and lots of ice and they put the, the salt, the corrosive materials on the ground and it begins to get into our cars and on the bottom, it begins to corrode away and the rust begins to destroy, eat through the metal. And so what Jesus is saying, listen, if you focus on, if your only desire is, if your only heart is to have stuff, to have value of money and things and things that the world says are of temporal value, if that is your only focus, man, know this, that moth rust will eat it away. Now, of course, when you talk about stocks, when you talk about money, when you talk about jewelry, when you talk about all the things that we put value in today— uh, moths are not going to come in and eat stock certificates. Uh, you know, rust is not going to come in and eat away your house. But, but here's the idea, is that everything that you put value to that is of temporal value, that is of things, of materialism, that it will be and can be destroyed. So Jesus says, don't, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on this earth. He goes on to say, where thieves will be able to break in and steal. Now, the idea, when you go back in the original Greek here, what Jesus said, the words that he used is actually was the idea of digging through. And back in that day, back in that culture, back in that, that, that region, that when people would actually steal things from other people, they actually didn't break in like we think of it, or breaking a window and going through a you know, glass window, or, or maybe kicking in a door and coming through the door. They literally would tunnel through, they would dig through the, 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 the sod, the earth of which the house had been made of, and the clay, the things that had been done in order to build that house. They would literally dig holes through, or canals through, into the house, and steal the things that were found inside of the house. And so Jesus says, listen, and thieves will break in and steal these things. Why? Because when you put your value, when you put your heart in the things that are of temporal value that can come and go and be stolen, be taken away, when that is your focus, you will be disappointed. And that's why when we see big stock market swings, we see depression go up. It's why in New York, when uh, the stock market drops in massive amounts like it has in many times in history, that the suicide rates skyrocket. It's because when people put their value and their worth, when people base their, their success in life on the things of this world, Jesus says, man, moth and rust and thieves will break in, will steal, will destroy, will eat it away, and you will be left wanting. So what's the object of your focus? So Jesus, again, puts, creates a contrast. He says, listen, don't lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. But then he goes on to say uh, in the next verse, but he says, make sure you recognize, collect for yourselves treasures in heaven. In other words, the things that we need to focus on are the things that actually have value for eternity. You see, the more that you care about the stuff, the more likely that it will be destroyed. But when you begin to focus on laying up treasures in heaven, 
then Jesus gives us a clear picture between focusing on the things of God and the things of man. Because the things that we lay up in heaven cannot be destroyed. It cannot be taken away. It cannot be uh, eaten away by moth or by rust or by other things. It cannot be stolen by man. It cannot be stolen by thieves. The things that we lay up in heaven, the treasures that we lay up in heaven cannot be destroyed. Now, here's a clear picture we've got to understand. That we've got to understand how is it that we lay up treasures in heaven. What do we do in order to make sure that we are doing what Jesus said and collecting treasures in heaven? Well, very clearly, the kind of things that God's Word tells us on how to lay up treasures in heaven is that in our own lives we incorporate practices that will draw us closer to Him. In other words, a love for God's Word of recognizing that this book that I hold, as we've talked about a million times, and I can promise you if you're here long enough, we're going to talk about a million times more. Hebrews 4 tells us the Word of God is living and it's powerful. The Bible tells us that we are to hide its Word, His Word, away in our hearts. The Bible tells us that we need to make sure that we meditate on it both day and night. In other words, we've got to focus on God's Word. And that is one of the ways that we lay up treasures for ourselves in heaven. Because when we incorporate, when we soak in God's Word, it changes us from the inside out. That we have to make sure that we're seeking to to live blameless lives. Not sinless lives, because we're not capable of doing that, but living blameless lives. That we're making sure that the way that we walk and the way that we talk and the things that we do, that even when we mess up, even when we blow, even when sin does enter into our daily journey, that we quickly take 1 John 1, 9 for its value and recognize, man, we've got to confess our sins. And that He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, making sure that we're hiding away this idea of, of collecting for ourselves treasures in heaven. Other ways that we can lay up treasures in heaven is doing kingdom work, of making sure that we recognize that gospel proclamation is just not left up to the churches, it's just not left up to the preachers, that gospel proclamation is left up to each and every one of us, that we have a duty and a responsibility to share truth, to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with people in our daily walks, and share it with people around the world, that we do everything we, everything we can to make sure that we're ministering that truth. I look back over here and I see Darren and Pam Bowers. Darren's an eye doctor here in, in, in Central Virginia. And I know Darren and Pam for many years have been uh, diligent and uh, focused on not only doing their work here and ministering here and serving here, but every year they go down to Honduras and they, they go and they do, uh, they do medical missions there and sharing the gospel and preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ to those people. Why? Because they're laying up treasures in heaven. And they're using their resources, the money that that they make as a family, as a couple, and they use those resources to go and to actually bring the gospel of Jesus Christ into the lives of people that had it not been for their diligent and focused work, that those people may never have heard the gospel. You see, that, my friends, is laying up treasures for ourselves in heaven, making sure that we understand these things. Now listen, understand this, there's nothing wrong with having things. We've all heard the old adage, as long as there's nothing wrong with having things as long as things don't have us, right? You've heard that a million times. Of making sure that we focus that the things of this world are not bad as long as we hold loosely to them and as long as we find and understand that that is not where our value is and that those are resources that God places into our care so that we can make an eternal, a kingdom impact, a kingdom difference. 
I heard this quote this week, and it's a great quote. Life is tragic for the person who has plenty to live on, but nothing to live for. Think about that statement for a moment. And we all know those stories, don't we? People like Howard Hughes, that back in, you know, a different generation, a man who became the richest man on the face of the earth. He had everything that you could possibly imagine. He had fame and he had power. He had fame in different levels from Hollywood and and Washington. He had two presidents that, that basically would do whatever he told them to do when he would pick up the phone and call them. He made movies. He had owned Hollywood film studios. He built and created airplanes and started airlines. And and I mean, he just had all the money that you could ever possibly imagine. And yet he died alone. He died where he himself was sick. He had no health. He was the kind of person that locked himself away from everybody. And he, he died completely discouraged and depressed and had nothing to live for, even though he had everything you could ever want to live on. How tragic a story that is, and that is what happens when we focus on the wrong things. That we put our focus, the object of our focus, on the things that do not matter, the things that are not important. So what does this passage go on to tell us? We talk about what's the object of our focus, or the things of God, or the things of man. Well, if we continue reading in verse 21, it says this, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So here's the idea Jesus was giving. When all you care about is stuff, when all you care about is money, when all you care about is getting more and more and more, you cannot help yourself. You cannot change the dynamic or change the trajectory of what that looks like. When that is all that you care about, that is where your heart will be. And when your heart will be there, when your heart is there, you can guarantee your heart will not be the things of God. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So, what's the object of your focus? Like, what is it that gets you up in the morning? What is it that gets you moving? What is it that that motivates you to work hard? What is it that motivates you to do the things that you need to do? Is it just simply to have stuff? Or is it to make sure that we're working to fulfill God's calling and God's will for our lives to impact the world? So, the second thing we see here from verses 22 and 23 is this, is our focus uh, is based on how we view things. Look what it says in verse 22. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. So, if the light within you is darkness, how deep is that darkness? This is the idea of Jesus using the, the framework or the statement here, is that the eye is, is what allows the things of this world to enter into our, into our bodies, into our, 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 our beings, into our humanity. And so he's saying, listen, if your eye, if you're focused, if the things you're looking at, the things that you're dialed in on are only the things of this world, are only the things of value that the world sees, if all you're looking at is money and status and power and stuff, if that's all that you're looking for and all you're looking at, then what will naturally result is that you will be full of darkness. Jesus' words, not mine. That your lamp, your eye is the lamp to the body. And so what you allow to enter into the eye, the things that you value, that you look at, that you see, that is what you will become. And so Jesus said, man, you got to recognize the eye is the lamp of the body. If the eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. I mean, you cannot help but see the very clear contrast that Jesus is giving in this sermon. Don't lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. 
I mean, treasures on earth. Lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. If your eye is full of goodness and looking at the right things, your body will be full of light. But if you're looking at the wrong things, it will be full of darkness. And it brings about the idea that we see in 1 John chapter 2, the lust of the eyes, the lust of, uh, of uh, the flesh, the pride of life. 1 John verse two, six, uh, chapter 2 verse 16 says, For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride in one's possessions is not from the Father, but is from the world. And in that verse, in that statement right there, we see the crux of the issue that we have in our culture today. Because our world has gotten to the place, and sometimes even the church has gotten to the place, where the things that we long for are the things that we're looking at that are not eternal value, the lust of the eyes. The things that we desire, the lust of the flesh, we talked about that last week. The pride of life, the pride in stuff, the pride in the things of this world. We talked about it last week, right? That pride comes before destruction, a haughty spirit comes before a fall. Everything that we see in our culture today that is leading us the wrong path can, can be summed up in this one statement. And so Jesus says, listen, understand that if you want to be full of light, then you've got to make sure you're focused on the right things. That you've got to be focused on the things that truly matter from an eternal perspective. So, the big question that Jesus gives to us in this statement, in these first few verses here that we've read in Matthew chapter 6, is just simply this. Whom do you serve? Whom do you serve? Listen to what it says in this passage, verse 24. No one can be a slave of two masters, since either he will hate one or love the other or be devoted to one and despise the other. And in this statement, you cannot be slaves of God and of money. Bob Deffenbaugh said it this way, put in its simplest form, the principle could be stated, money is either your slave or your master. Money is either your slave or your master. Think about, again, the contrast that's given there. That money can either be the thing that you control, that you use to accomplish God's will and God's calling on your life. That money can be the thing that God provides to you, resources that He puts into your hand, that you use for good, that you use to provide for your family, that you use to minister to others, that you use to reach the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. It can either be your slave where you control it, or it can be your master. And the natural idea is that if it is your master, then guess who's the slave? Guess who the one who has no control? Guess who's the one that is enslaved by the stuff of this world, which, by the way, is exactly what Satan desires for each and every one of us. You've heard me say it a thousand times, John 10.10, 10, the thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. You see, Satan knows where he can weasel his way in and trip you up. Satan knows exactly what it is that you struggle with and the areas that you have a problem with. And he will come in and he will use those things and he will get a grip on you and destroy you. And one way that he does it is the God of materialism. The idea that we allow money to be our master rather than letting money be our slave. So guys, we've got to figure out how to get this in the right priority, in the right order. We've got to figure out how to make sure that we are doing what it is that we need to do so that we do not fall victim to Satan's ploy of creating that God of materialism in our lives. And how do we do that? But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. 
Focus on the things of God. Value the things of God. Treasure the things of God. Make sure that in everything that you do, in every moment of your life, in every essence of your being, that your desire is simply to honor God and His call on your life. And if you get that right, I promise you this, all of these other things will line up. Now again, that's not my words. That's Matthew 6.33. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And then what does it say? And all of these things, all of this stuff, all of those things will then be provided for you. God will never leave you wanting. God will never leave you hanging when your focus is doing the things of God. So make sure that's your heart. Make sure that's your passion. Make sure that you are putting Him first in everything. And when you do, when you get that priority in order, man, I can guarantee you that this life will be full of blessings beyond anything that you can possibly imagine. You may not drive the Lamborghini, <laughs> but boy, you will have so much more happiness and joy than a Lamborghini could ever provide. Let's pray together. God, thank you for allowing us to learn the things that we need to learn because we do struggle. God, we talked about today of seeking first your kingdom, of seeking first, God, the things that are of God, the things that are important. And we know that the most important way we do that, the first step in accomplishing that is recognizing who you are and recognizing what you've done of recognizing that because of who God is and what God has done, that God has given to us the gift of His Son, Jesus. The ultimate provision. The ultimate provision that takes care of everything, God. Because we know that when we come to the place where we believe that You love us, that Christ died for us, that He was buried and He rose again for us. God, that when we believe in that, that He is Your Son, that it gives us the greatest gift that we could ever hope to have, the greatest possession that we could ever desire, and that is eternity with you in heaven. And so, God, I pray right now for every person here, every person watching and listening, if they've never come to the moment, the place in their lives where they have believed in Jesus and trusted him as Lord and Savior, God, I pray that today that that's exactly what they would do in this moment, that they would make that decision, and God, for that, we give you the praise. With their heads bowed and with their eyes closed, our our team is going to come and they're going to gather here. And today, wherever you are in this room, if you're here today and you have never made that decision, maybe you've never made it publicly. We, we shared with that beautiful uh, young girl today who walked into the baptistry publicly making that profession. I've trusted Christ. If you've never done that, man, I want to encourage you today in a moment when we sing together for you to just step up to walk down to this altar. Our team is gathered here. Man, they'd love to, to talk with you about that, to make that decision, to help you experience the greatest of all gifts, the greatest of all possessions, the greatest of anything you could ever hope for, and that is the gift of Jesus. They'd love to talk with you about that. Maybe you're here today and you are a Christian, but let's be honest, maybe you've gotten things out of whack. Maybe you have gotten messed up because you have put more value on stuff than you have seeking first the kingdom of God. And maybe this is a moment, a time of confession for you. Because by the way, when you put things in the place of more value than you do in God, that's sin. That's not like just a mistake. It's not just like a, you know, something that you've got to just fix on paper. It's sin. Anytime we put anything in our lives of more value than God, that's sin. Because God said, thou shalt have no other gods before me. 
And so if you've done that, maybe you need to come and kneel at this altar here in a moment. Just kneel here and say, God, I'm sorry. God, I want to change it. God, I confess my sin and and I, I turn right here, right now. Maybe you want to come and pray for a loved one, pray for a friend, pray for a family member. Maybe you want to come and join our church here to join this fellowship of believers, to bond together, to change the world. Whatever God is speaking to you and telling you to do, whatever God is calling you in in this moment, at this place, listen, if you are feeling an urging, a pulling right now, that's not this preacher talking, that's the Holy Spirit of God pulling. And so I just want to tell you, if you need to make a decision today, I encourage you to come to this altar. If you're watching, I encourage you to connect with us here at Thomas Road. You can call, you can, you can email us, you can go to our website at trbc.org start to make a decision that will change your life. And so as we sing together the song, Christ be magnified, the altar is open. And I encourage you as we stand right now to step out, to make a decision that will change everything.
want to thank you for joining with us together today as we see what it is that God has done for us all. And today, if you've made a decision for Christ, or if you would like to talk further about what it is that God has done for you in the giving of His Son, Jesus, I would encourage you to email me at the address that is on the screen, pastor at trbc.org. We would love to connect with you to help you begin a brand new journey with Christ. If you would like to help contribute to our ministry as we take this message of the gospel around the world, go to the link on the screen today and help us help others with an amazing message of God's love.